Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back once again to the Bees Radio Network podcast. It's episode number 14, and the man who's been with me a lot for every episode of the show, Mark Denham, joins me again. Mark, how are we? Graham, I'm well. How are you? You can hear I'm still bunged up from last night's action. I'm still a bit bit more fluey, a bit more coldy today. That's why we're sort of jumping on this on a Monday night again to make sure I've got some sort of voice to be able to tell you what an exciting game that was on Sunday night at the Hive. What a game. I, I think we're, we're not even 24 hours past it yet. I'm still struggling to catch my breath from it. Um, it was a game that really had everything against the Pirates as the Bees ran out uh, penalty shot winners by seven goals to six against the Pirates and a real statement of intent from this Bees lineup after what was a uh, pretty calamitous opening three minutes. Well, it, it has happened in other games as well, and they've not recovered from it. And that's what impressed me greatly, is that this Pirates lineup is no pushover, there are no mugs, and it was a calamitous start. We can't get away from that. But the way the Bees then fought back, to pull it back to within a goal at the end of the second, concede the third then, but then pull it back to be leading by the end of the second, I thought was a, an outstanding performance. And even when the whole Pirates snuck back ahead and it looked to be all over, up popped Stuart Mogg with the game equalising goal, forcing it into overtime. So it was a it was a calamitous start, a resilient third period, an awesome second period. And then really, when it comes down to penalty <laughs> shots, it's all about the sheriff, isn't it? It was indeed. He loaded up his gun and let fire a couple of times. I think one of the things I always talk about in hockey, and one of the things is, it's, you're going to get these moments in the season where it could go either way for the team. It could, it could be good. It could be bad. It can really go somewhere in the middle. And what happened on Sunday night was we had that adversity again. We got late in the game, two goals. Pirates had their tails up. It looked like that they were going to. We said when they pulled the timeout as they as they drew the game level at. Uh, Oh, at that moment, they they drew it level at uh, five apiece. They called a timeout very shortly afterwards. And you could see in their huddle that they were talking about, we're going to go on. We're, normally, you pull a huddle at that moment, you go, right, we're going to set up, guys. We're just going to take the point here. Let's be happy with that and get it to overtime. The Pirates kept stepping on and took advantage of a couple of uh, mistakes from the Bees defensively and, and offensively. May, took the advantage of it, got the lead. But then the Bees just got on that little roll that they were able to do a couple of times in the game. There was a great spell in the second where it was about three minutes we retained the puck for. Um, and, and we scored a goal at that moment. And again, at the end, we just put them under pressure, put them under pressure, brought the extra skater on, continued to put the pressure on. And that's the sign of a good team because I think 12 months previously, if that game had occurred and, and it had broken down, the minute the Pirates went into the lead, we would not have, we would not have come back in that game. We did not have the right mentality within the lineup. So, yes, it's still a little bit worrying that we're seeing these moments where when the pressure's on a little bit, we're just just not quite in sync. But then we do actually have the ability to go, you know what, we've put ourselves in this hole. We're going to freaking dig ourselves out of this hole now. And that's what they did on Sunday night. And as you say, it goes to penalty shots. It brings us on to one of our next talking points, which was and it's something I love to see in the penalty shots. Danny Milton at the end of the game stepped into that game with the side 3-1 down, hadn't been a great start for the team. But he came in and brought a bit of resilience to the net. And he came in and just, he did all the simple things right. He did a brilliant job in there, especially in the penalty shots as well. Because I think you saw that a couple of times he came out and he challenged the Pirates shooters. He was like, if you get into the slot, I'm going to let you fire. But if you come any closer, I'm going to come compete with you. And you compare that to Ashley Smith and the Pirates net. Every time a Beast player got close, 
he was going further and further and further back into his net. And that brought its rewards on that final penalty shot because Bobby Chamberlain, he'd been excellent all night, just skated forward at speed and slapped it, it past Danny. This time he took an extra stride forward and Danny came out and met him and did the goods. And then you see Roman Malenik step up and he just made Ashley look a little bit silly in net with a fine finish. Yeah, do you know what? Full credit to Danny Milton because obviously it is probably the hardest job in hockey being the backup goalie because you don't see that much action. And let's be fair, Danny has backed up for quite a while now and he's not seen a lot of action. But to his defence, last season, this time last year, as I said on the stream last night, he had the net this time last year and was only forced out by injury. Danny can hold his own in net, but then to come on, you know, it's one thing being told as a backup, okay, you're going to get the start tonight. And then you think, all right, you know, I can get mentally prepared for it. Danny would have been prepared for backing up last night and then to be told, right, you're going to come on with 3-1 down and to backstop the team into a winning position to then see it disappear away, to, you know, get to overtime, and then you're facing penalty shots, which he wouldn't have faced a great number of competitively before in his time in the net. But just the coolness with which he dealt with it, like Bobby Chamberlain outworked him twice. So Danny then had the confidence to come out and say, right, you're not doing it a third time. And that was the game-turning moment, because from there, Roman Malenik just had to go in and score. Obviously, you know, had Bobby Chamberlain managed to do Danny Milton the third time, Roman would have had to go in to equalise. But for Danny to have the presence and the confidence to come out and... Oh, my alarm is, is going Is that the off. alarm? That's, this, is, this is a great one for the podcast. This is a here. great is one, it, isn't it? But, is it um, what's that alarm? For the, I'm slightly worried now. What's I the alarm I have no for? idea. <laughs> I have no idea what that was for. But um, Is that the alarm to alert us that there was a fine performance from Roman Malenik? Is that is what you're trying to say? Well, yeah, I am. Um, and I do think, you know, like... Um, I, do, I, do you know what? I've read on Facebook today, actually. We're just going off of Danny Milton for a second. I've read on Facebook today... Wasn't Roman good in penalties, which is good because he didn't do much for the rest of the game. Yeah, I and saw I that would disagree well. <laughs> with that because the work ethic of Roman Malenik last night, he was working away around both nets, defensively and offensively. He did not take a single shift off last night. And he was a, a con- massive contributing factor to that B's win last night. But to get back on topic, though, for Danny Milton to come out in that game, uh, what, a minute, minute and a half into the second period, and then to take it deep into penalty shots, I think, you know, shows that our net is in safe hands because we have a backup that is capable of going out there and playing the game, not only playing it, but winning it as well. You know, like, yeah. I, I hate penalty shots, to be honest, as uh, in a league. I've never made a secret of that. I think if the teams can't split the game as a team in regulation and overtime, have a point each. That's my view. There are however many games in a league season to decide winners and a huge, huge list of splitting factors should there be ties. But I'm not a great fan of penalty shots. But then last night, Danny's come out and he's shown, do you know what? I'm not just here to fill the net. I'm here to win a game. Yeah, completely. And like Danny definitely deserved to pick up the W in that one. I think it was a really impressive performance from Danny. And it, it, to take you back to the point you made about Malenik, it, and we're going to talk. come on to this later on, because obviously since our last podcast, there's been yet another change in the Bees lineup. 
and I think it underlined for me exactly the reason. Because you've got to remember, this was a B's team without, obviously, Vanya Antonov was playing away. Also, Robin Kovar wasn't in the lineup. So the B's were down an import compared to the Pirates' two imports. Now, I, I think there's a very good argument that actually with Kovar in that lineup where we needed players who were going to work at the, the whole 200 foot of the ice, you need a guy who's going to work at both ends. Robin Kovar hasn't been that guy this season. Yes, you look at his points production. It's, it's, it's okay. It's decent enough. But you've got to look at it the other way. When were the goals being scored? A lot of them coming in garbage time or in moments of the game where the game had already passed by the bees. When was he competing for the puck? Was in maybe the last five minutes of the game. For the rest of the other 55, you compare it, as you say, to Roman Manlik, who, yeah, he's not going to do sometimes the plays going forward that are going to be flashy and brilliant and excellent. But what he's going to do defensively is make sure the other import and the opposition has to work their butt off to get the puck. He's going to get his stick in the lane. He's, he's one of the best stick lifters in the game, I think, Roman Malik. The number of times you see a guy will skate through the neutral ice, and if Roman's there trying to stick lift, he normally comes away with it. Lee Bonner's got a very good way of getting around it against Roman, which is swatting him away with the other hand. But in most of the time, Roman, in those battles in the middle of the ice, he comes away with the puck. And then defensively as well, his positional awareness is really key. And I think that just underlines the decision that Robin Kovar has departed the side, and we'll talk about the new import in a little time, because I do just want to focus on this weekend. Josh Ely Newman making his debut. I think he had a very solid return to the Bees lineup, and I'm interested to see as he gets his leg. James Galazzi picking up all the plaudits for his two goals, including a very nice backhanded finish, but also competing across the ice as well. One other guy who's probably not going to get much noticing from the fan base, I think, was Louis Colvin, who the last couple of weeks has had some very impressive games. And last night, uh, with uh, when Eddie Nags picked up his uh, misconduct penalty, Louis took a bit of time and went back onto D and actually proved a handy little player back in the defensive end there. Just did the simple things, can read the game extremely well. It's something that's always spoken about with Louis is that he can read a game very well and knows what play to make. And he was doing that defensively last night at times. And it's those little, all those little unheralded victories, like someone saying, I didn't notice Roman throughout the game. Well, that's because Roman was doing it all defensively. And actually, we're probably just a little bit blasé about Roman in that respect because he goes back defensively, he does the hard work, and it means all those other guys, like Josh Ely Newman, like James Galazzi, like Louis Colvin, are also doing exactly the same. And it's that team coming together that means that we're going to pick up more wins as the season goes on. Yeah, I think Roman Malenik is probably one of the best two-way imports we have in the league. And as you say, it did free up the others then to be less defensively worried and to get out there and get things done. You know, James Galazzi, I said on the stream yesterday, it's great to see him, firstly, back in the lineup. But secondly, you can see now, you know, doesn't matter how much training you do. There's no substitute for playing in a game. James has got a few under his belt now. And then he comes up with two crackers last night and the Man of the Match award. Great to see him back in the lineup and obviously adding a bit of physicality as well. Never one uh, who to, to back out of a check ever. Josh Ely Newman came in as well and he played a good game, good skill and good physicality as well. So I think, you know, when you think of that game, we played against a Hull Pirates team with two imports. We had one. We also had, and you know, arguably their own fault, but we also had both Aidan Doughty and uh, Eddie Nags sat in the penalty box for 10-minute penalties at the same time as well. Two big, big, big players from the lineup sitting out for 12 minutes in total, obviously. And yet we came through, the team stuck together. They played for each other. They played together. They came through and they took the points. And most importantly, 
you know, when you're on a, a winning role, it's easy to stay on it. When you're on a losing role, it's sadly probably easier to stay on it. But last night, you know, everything is against the bees following that calamitous start. They fight back into the game and they must have thought in their head, you know what, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And then up pop the pirates to just nip in front at the, uh, the ending moments of the game and for them to come out knowing that they've not had the best of months to come out, force that game to overtime, generate good chances in overtime and then go on and win it in penalties. I think that shows great team spirit as well. And the fact that they are really coming together now, not as a group of individuals, but as a team, they're coming together, they're buying into what Doug is asking them to do. And if they do come together as a team, and if they do fully buy into what Doug asks them to do, there will be plenty of wins between now and the end of this season. Indeed, and we're talking about, obviously, the excitement at the end of the game there. And I think everybody in the hive was up on their feet with eight seconds to go. And, Obviously, the same in the penalty shots as well. It was really rocking in the hive. It was also really rocking for us guys on the stream, and I appreciate all of you who are Patreon subscribers. We're hopefully at the game, but some of you do join us in the feed. This weekend was um, quite comfortably our record figures since we launched Bees Radio Network, and we really do appreciate everybody who either tuned in on the stream or has supported us here on the podcast. We really are appreciative, especially of our Patreon subscribers. Um, just to give you some numbers, we've got some very top-line numbers for you. Number of unique listens from the game, 444, and our total number of listens, 1,660 listens. That is simply staggering numbers that I did not expect at any point in the season. Um, it, and it's really great to have so many people come in and tune in. If you drop in for five minutes, if you drop in for the whole game, it's lovely seeing. Uh, we can see sometimes names of people who have been on from the start of the game right until the very end. Um, and we really do appreciate it. it sort of blew our minds a little bit on Sunday night as we were battling some tech issues early in the game as well. But everybody stuck with us. Everybody was there for the, for the, for the finale, a grand finale. A lot of them would have been whole Pirates fans, but we did see a lot of Bees fans in there as well. And it's a very nice place to be in and to, to see that number beginning to grow. Uh, we really do obviously thank you each, every one of you for tuning in. And of course, Mark, I, I like to just put it on record. I like to thank you for tuning in and become being part of the co-commentary team. Well, I'd like to thank you, Graham, for leading so well, even despite technical difficulties yesterday as well, and despite the flu and everything and the double-wrapped scarf. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Yesterday. Like, I've seen, I've seen a few posts on uh, Twitter and on Facebook saying, you know, like, thank you so much to the commentary team. And it's just great to be a part of that because there are times where people can't get to games. It doesn't matter if you live two minutes away in Bracknell, or if you live hours away in Hull, there will be times you can't get to a game. Hull on a Sunday night, it's a long journey, 5.30 face-off. What, 8.30 we were finished last night? If you've come down on the bus, for example, you have to wait for the players to get changed, get back on the bus, long bus ride home, maybe you've got work in the morning. To know that we can bring that game into people's living rooms or cars or whatever, I think is, you know, it's a great feeling to be involved in that. And what I will say from your holiday is that I appreciate even more the skill that you have, having had to step up and do the play-by-play. I do appreciate the skill you have now of being able to call the game so effortlessly and fluently, having like had a couple of weeks to do it myself. But what I would say is, please don't take any more holiday. <laughs> I don't think I think I've got a couple of weeks off in March, sadly. Oh, so, brilliant! Uh, yeah, brilliant. Go to, yeah, that gives you a couple of months. We'll do we'll do, we'll do something, but yeah, 
no look it's great fun to do don't doubt if if, if it wasn't fun to do we wouldn't do it i enjoy standing up there and trying to be everybody's eyes and ears about what's going on do we get it right all the time absolutely not do i get it right most of the time hopefully so Uh, i try and call the game as we see it as well i think that's one thing that a lot of people are saying is we're not a completely one-eye slanted view about how great things are and our boys do no wrong. We will say if a player does something wrong, we will say if we don't believe something is a right play, but it goes both ways. And I think it, it's it's that that makes it a very unique broadcast. And, and, uh, and the best thing about it is completely free of charge. You can obviously support us. You, those you who get the podcast do here on the Patreon account. And we really do appreciate every time you, 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 you do uh, subscribe and support us. Um, but those games are always going to be free, and I think that this is the this this is the proof in the pudding for me. This number of the total listeners, over one thousand six hundred people tuning in to listen to an audio stream. Those of you who said that radio for hockey wouldn't work, I think we've just proved you wrong a little bit. Yeah, we have, and you know, as you've always said, it'd be lovely to do a video stream, but we just don't have the internet capabilities to do a video stream in Bracknell. And like you, I wouldn't be happy saying, pay this much to watch this and then tweeting out, oh, sorry, it's dropped. Oh, sorry, it's dropped again. I wouldn't be happy with that. I am happy with what we've got and what we're doing. And it makes me happier to be involved in it that so many people are A, making use of it and B, enjoying what we do. And as you say, we're not biased in any way whatsoever. I mean, you and I both enjoyed last night because it was a bee's win. That goes without saying. But in terms of the commentary, as you say, I've called players out, you've called players out (laughs) from both teams. And I think that that is probably what makes it perhaps a more enjoyable listen because you're not just getting, you know, well, that was a lucky goal for the whole Pirates, you know, and the Bees did no wrong. No, we've mentioned, you know, turned over and an horrendous turned over has led to a goal. We've said that. You know, so we're doing our very best on the stream to be um, accurate and to be informative and to be fair. Well, you went for fair and accurate. We sound like Fox News now. This isn't good news at all. Yeah. Um, it's not fake news anyway. We did win last night in penalties. We did win last night. I was definitely there last night. I definitely saw it happen. Um, so, yeah, thank you, you very much. At, uh, you went at Pizza Express then. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I've, I'm happy to say I've never gone to Pizza Express in Woking. I can say no, that right now. Me neither. I've, I've been in the ZZs across the road, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, didn't think we'd be touching on that in today's show. But anyway, no. onward, onwards and upwards. Um, and one of the things, like, we try and have fun with the stream, obviously. And we so Mark started posing some questions out. And maybe it's something we're going to take online. Maybe we're going to ask uh, the fans this across the internet. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it's a special for them. But... um. We'll do the easy one first of all, and then we'll do the slightly more trickier one. So, obviously, Mark and I, between us, have the skating skills of probably somewhere between Ben Wilson and Mike Olenek. Um So, between us, um, we've we've never played even a game of rec. So, the interesting question would be, if we were hockey players, what number would we wear? Mark? Aha! Now, I knew we were going to discuss this, and I don't really have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't very good, is it? This this is ever professional here on Ben's now, Radio was Network. You saying yesterday, there was you saying yesterday, you know, our informative podcast. And I knew from last night we were discussing this. And I just don't know. I mean, my question would be, how do you choose a number? You know, I think a lot of players probably get allocated a number, don't they, as juniors? Yeah. 
you get allocated a number because the club will have a certain number of home shirts and a certain number of away shirts, and then you get allocated a number. And it may very well be that you then stick with that throughout your career because you think you've been successful in whatever number it is that you've got. And you think, yeah, do you know what? Now that I've got the chance to choose a number, I'm going to stick with that number I've worn all through my junior career. Or it may be you get to senior hockey and you think, ah, do you know what? I don't want to be that number anymore. And now that I'm free to pick, you can pick. And I'm just wondering, like, how players do pick their numbers. Because, I mean, if you remember, Doug Shepard always iced in 28, except for the one year in Slough, because 28 was retired for Joe Stefan. So Doug then had to pick an alternative number. Number nine, wasn't it? It was number number nine, nine, wasn't it? Yeah. And I remember when the Watt brothers played together as well. They both played in uh, 49. 49, And I remember they played together as well, didn't they? And um, I'm just trying to remember who it was in Slough. It may have been Mark Long, always played in 17, but couldn't because that was Gary Stephan's number. So he reversed it to become 71. Now, I'm just thinking... Like, I honestly, genuinely don't know. I've never played a sport where I've needed a number. So I honestly don't know what number I would pick and how I'd pick it. So my question would be <laughs> to the players or to the Patreons listening to the podcast, and you can tweet at Bees Ice Hockey with this. If you are a player of any standard, how did you pick your number? Were you allocated like it or did you choose it? And obviously... Are you happy with it? That would be my question. (laughs) But I'm going to throw it back at you now, Graham. And unlike me, you probably do have an answer to this. What number would you be? I think I know what it's going to be. What number do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be five. You see, I have a choice of two numbers. Um, So this is a really weird... Uh, Number five was my old football number. I always wore number five while playing football. I was a a centre-half who wore white Palo de Canio football boots as a youngster. Uh, I had no skill in those boots, but I always wore number five. And uh, But that, again, was the point. I was a centre-half in football. The team kit was one through 11, and the number five was the centre-half's jersey. So as a result, I wore number five. However, when I moved, um, when I started playing cricket, the number I actually got allocated was 16, which is my birthday. So yeah. as a result, I'd have one of those two numbers. If I'm to choose, I would probably feel number five, and you're quite right with the guessing because of my Twitter handle. Yes. Uh, it, it wasn't just I wasn't just the fifth G Bell on Twitter. I genuinely um <laughs> genuinely that wasn't my meant number. Um but yes, it would either be five or sixteen. Sixteen's always been a bit more of my it's funny. It could even be I have a completely different number. I might just change it up and go for like fifty six or sixty five. Yeah. No, it would be five or sixteen. But it's a really good point that the whole I've just got to allocate this number like you you think back to ice hockey. Ice hockey in the olden days. What numbers were the goalie? You had 30. 31 or 1. Yeah, 31 or 1 or 30 or 35. Yeah. Now you see junior kids and that were 93, 63. You see every number going on out there for goalie numbers if these you think days. think about it, I mean, Stephen Wall played in 63, didn't he? Uh, 93. 93. He played in 93, didn't he? So there were some. Greg Rockman was always 45. 45. As Dean Skins has um, been for the last few years of his club. Yeah. I believe he's number one. For, yeah. Uh, the well, he did used to play 30, didn't he? Dean Skin started 30, then did, went to 45. Um, Adam Goss is obviously number 84. Yeah, Adam Goss is 84. Camel Yarina, he was 87. So, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. The goalie number used to be a sacred thing. And, like, 
Um, for those fans in the NHL, obviously, you know, the Anaheim Ducks did a big thing many years ago where if you were a junior player, you had a deliberately low number. And then once you'd established yourself in the team, you could migrate up and have whatever number you wanted. And as a result, there is something like, I do like that a little bit about the tradition, but in the same way, I also like it when players have to wear a different jersey. You think of Aaron Connolly. Aaron Connolly, when he played for Slough, wore the number 10 jersey, if I remember rightly. But he moved to Basingstoke. In Basingstoke, the 10 is retired for Kevin Conway. So as a result, he moved to number 63, which is now his number. Mm. So obviously you do get these bounce around sometimes of funny good I'm ones. I'm thinking of Dan Scott as well. Dan Scott wanted 13. to wear 13, but Dan Davies had 13 in Slough. But then Dan Davies, I think, wanted to be four, but four was retired for Warren Ross. He'd picked 13. Dan Scott signed after Dan Davies and ended up with two. So then when Dan Davies went to Basingstoke, he got to pick 13. Yep. because Dan Davies had already got his number in Basingstoke and Dan Scott has carried 13 with him, but he played in two. So, you know, All I, I know some players are very superstitious, superstitious, aren't they? Like, should something happen to their jersey, for example, and end up in the blood jersey, they're just not happy because it's not their number. And yet you get others like Dan Scott, who wore two and has now gone back to his own number. Aaron Conley was forced to change his number because it was a retired number. Uh, Mason Webster plays 10, doesn't he, for uh, Romford. So it's yep. not a it's not a retired jersey. No, so no. perhaps da- uh, Aaron could have had his choice again, but he's interestingly stuck with 63. Now, some people are very superstitious and some people clearly aren't. So it does, as you say, for those who listen to the patron, do tweet us in to at Bees Ice Hockey. Um, what, 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 what is your number? What, why is it your number? And have you ever been forced to change your number as well? We're turning into Danny Baker here. I've yeah, realised what we're doing, we're, we're turning into, we're just going to have a list of these questions eventually. I don't yeah. like this idea. You we, see, we, you played cricket after me. Yeah. But when I played, we didn't, I mean, this makes me sound prehistoric now. We didn't have numbers. No. When I played. Um, so I never, ever have played in a team sport where I've had to pick a number. I mean, my football skills are naff. <laughs> so I never got selected to play football. And that that doesn't really bother me in the slightest. But then when I played cricket, we just wore whites and there were no numbers in my day. Now, you obviously had a number. So, yeah, here I am now as an adult trying to answer this question, having never been in a position in my life where I've ever had to pick or wear a number. Either that, we're going to have to asking the patrons to choose the number for you, which is well, yeah. more dangerous. Option. Does this mean I'm going to have to play? Oh, who knows? <laughs> we can't have that. <laughs> we can't have that. You, you would you'd also count as an import player because you haven't had two years trained at a... Maybe you get away with it. Well, no, I wouldn't in this day and age because I'm entitled to a British passport and I've been in the country more than two years. So I'll be okay in this day. Last year, though. (laughs) Yeah, last year I would have been an import, wouldn't I? Although I'd had to have have applied for special dispensation, wouldn't I? But to be fair, I think if I started practicing now, probably by, you know, my 80th birthday or something, I may have reached a level where I could call it a day and realize it's never going to (laughs) happen. I like that you're going to stick with it that long. I really do appreciate I would have given up a long time before. Wait, it's, it's not happening now. It's not <laughs> happening now. The, one, the, one, the other question that got thrown our way was that if we were uh, ice hockey players, and uh, it came up as a conversation point last night on the stream, but would you wear a visor? Now, obviously, uh, there are certain players uh, who it would have been, it's a grandfathered option, uh, the likes of Nicky Chin, for example. We were trying to work out Joe Baird would be grandfathered, but does wear a visor. Uh, we were thinking Mark Williams at Invicta, uh, who's yeah. just re-signed, and Mark still gets a little heart palpitation as he thinks about uh, 
Mark Williams icing following the famous brawls up at Coventry uh, yes. between the Jets and the, and the Raiders at the time. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously these days kids are forced to wear cages up until the age of 18. Some continue to wear cages throughout the rest of their career. If you look at college hockey in America, they all have to wear cages. Um, but the visor, and that is, I think now players are forced to wear it. There's no longer a grandfather rule within the IHA. No, the best you can get now is the uh, the visor. Obviously, you got to a stage, didn't you, where you could come out of a cage and into a visor, and then I think you got a little bit older and you could take the visor off. Obviously, players that didn't have to wear a visor were never forced to do so, but virtually all of those now. I'm not certain on Joe Baird. I think Joe Baird probably could ice without, but chooses never. to. But I think, you know, like when Joe Baird goes and when Mark Williams goes for the second time, then I think that's it. I can't see anybody else now ever having the choice of not wearing one we're in missing this day on, and age. We're missing Ashley Tate. Ashley Tate would be able to go without a visor. I get, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Ashley Tate would be able to. So there's there's another one we've just remembered at last minute. But let's roll back the time. You're a 25-year-old lad again, Mark. Not that long ago. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're a 25-year-old lad. You know, you're, you're, you're cracking it on in what would have been the, uh, oh, goodness me, the BHL in those days. Um, yeah. you, you've got, you've got the, you've turned 25. At least you didn't say the Heineken League. No, I'm very polite. <laughs> um, so you're in the BHL and you're 25 years of old and the, your coach turns around to you and says, Mark, you've got the option today. Congratulations, 25, have a beer. Um, would you like to go without your help visor tonight? What would be your answer? Now, playing ice hockey, my answer would be a uh, flat out no. Um, and, I just think, you know, the I'll come to why in a moment, but my answer would be I would go with the visor most definitely. And I tell you why, I'm someone that grew up playing cricket. And when I played cricket, helmets were, you know, they were first being introduced and they were optional. And I remember doing a winter net session and I thought oh, I'm going to put this helmet on and just give it a go. And I'd played cricket for many years without one. And after about 20 minutes in this helmet, I thought, you know what, get rid of it. And I threw it off and continued my net without it because I felt that it obscured my vision and I felt that it was affecting my balance as well. But what I will say is, you know, I face some pretty fast bowling for the level. I'm not saying I face like, you know, Joffre Archer or anything like that. But what I'm saying is I face some pretty fast bowling playing cricket and I never really felt the need to wear one because you are watching the ball come out of the bowler's hand and you're watching it hit the pitch and come towards you. And I think that that is much more simple than ice hockey because in ice hockey you have a puck which could be on the ice one moment and then you'll face the next just from a deflection off somebody else's stick. Now, if you're playing cricket, you have the choice of watching that ball come down and either playing it or avoiding it if it is coming towards your head. But there's not like there's never going to be a deflection on the way. Whereas in ice hockey, there's the potential for deflection of the puck, which I think in itself is scary enough. But also, we saw last year, didn't we? And this happened, unfortunately, with a visor. Ross Bowers, horrendous injury that he suffered last year where a stick has come up and contacted him in the eye. So for me, 
Um, if I was still playing cricket, I would now be forced into wearing a helmet, all cricket regulated by the England and Wales Cricket Board. You have to wear a helmet even if you're facing spin bowling, which I think is a ludicrous rule. Only until the age of but, 18. Only until the age of 18. You can drop the helmet at 18 these days. Well, no, all professional players can't. Professional players, if you are playing cricket for England, represented you know, under the ECB's governance, even if you are facing a lollipop spin bowler, you have to wear a helmet when you're batting now. And I think we saw this in the, the World Cup, you know, like Virat Kohli would like take his helmet off and face the spinners in his cap, where the England players are not allowed to do that now. You must wear the batting helmet if you are playing cricket. So for me, if I was playing cricket now and had the choice, I would probably still go without but if I was playing ice hockey, then there is not a single shift that I would take without the visor because I just think that the risks are so, so, so high in ice hockey, higher than cricket. I mean, I did I did laugh. I won't mention which team it was, but I saw a team's game event on Facebook the other day where it said pucks traveling at 120 miles an hour. And I thought, well, who's firing them out of some cannon then? Because they don't go quite that fast in this league. But I'm thinking I would probably rather face a bowler bowling at 90 in cricket without a helmet than I would, you know, play in even a rec game of ice hockey without a visor. No, and I'm going to make this really easy with my discussion point in response, which is, yes, I would always wear a visor. Uh, when I play cricket, I, wore, I was forced to wear a helmet until I was 18 and continue to wear one beyond that to the age of about 21, 22, where I dropped it for my final season. Ironically, became a slightly better batsman when I dropped the helmet as well. Um, but as a result, if I was playing cricket, absolutely, I'd stick with. I would. I would be happy to bat without a helmet. Um, but ice hockey, I would never go without a visor. I'd always wear a visor uh, because of all the things that Mark just outlined there. So that that was a that was a good feature. I enjoyed that. We should come up with more questions. We should come up with more questions. What I will say, if you look at the modern day cricket batting helmet, you have a a grill on there which protects your face. And there are even tight regulations on the gap between the peak of the helmet and the grill so a cricket ball can't get through. And I think that that probably is a good idea, even having said that I wouldn't wear one. I think that's probably a good idea. Also, you can now get these neck plates that go on uh, following the tragic death of Philip Hughes as well, who was hit on the back of the neck whilst wearing a helmet. But what I'm thinking in ice hockey is, are we going to get to a stage where visors are no longer an option and players have to wear cages for full protection. That would be my question now, because would Ross Bowers have suffered that injury had he been wearing a cage? And the answer is probably not, because the stick probably wouldn't have got through it. But, uh, you know, a puck can, a visor will give you some form of protection, but a puck can still deflect up. And if it deflects up at the wrong angle near your feet, it can still get under that visor as can a stick as well get under the visor. Are we going to see a stage now where obviously the grandfathered players who don't have to wear any form of protection other than the helmet itself, are we going to see a stage where they're obviously going to disappear? We're into the final few now anyway. They will disappear soon enough. And then every senior player at a minimum will have to wear a visor. But are we going to see a stage where perhaps in terms of A, safety or B, insurance, it's going to be essential that you wear a cage to fully protect you. That, you know, that's my thoughts on this because it is, you know, pucks aren't moving at 120 miles an hour in this country. Let's, let's be honest there. They're just not. No. But 
you know, they're still moving at, say, 70, 80, 90. And, you know, one little deflection could be career-ending and life-changing. Yep. Are we going to one day see a rule come down that all players, because as a junior, you still have to wear a cage. Are we going to see a rule come down where visors then become grandfathered and that all those coming up and the next generation of bees or bison or wildcats or whoever are all going to be wearing cages because that is then the minimum requirement. It's a very good point. It'll be interesting to see. It's going to be one of those And developments. I'll tell you something else. Oh, hello. He's got, more. Well. He's got more here. Yeah, I have got more on this. Like you'll, you'll probably remember this as well. You know, like there was a time, wasn't there, where players would warm up without helmets. Yep. Um, and obviously put them on for the game. But now there's the illegal equipment call straight away. If your helmet comes off, you can take no further part in the play. You have to go straight back to the bench and you cannot return to the ice until you have your lid back. But I'm thinking, I remember, you know, like players would have their lid knocked off, but they'd carry on and go right. down and score. Yep. You know, and you're thinking, wow, you know, like when you think about that now, like the, the risks involved there, but that was considered the norm then though, wasn't it? If your helmet got knocked off, well, I'm in the middle of a shift. I carry on. That was considered the norm. And we've outlawed that. We've outlawed the removal of visors for all but those who benefit from this grandfather rule. Are we going to see a complete change, though, into cages only? It will be interesting and to see. And how would players feel about that? Yeah. Well, Having the, the right to, you know, remove the cage, remove from them. So, you know, how would they feel? I mean, I'm thinking Ryan Webb plays in a cage, doesn't he? Yeah, and Jonathan Ryan Kirk was plays in Jonathan, a cage. Jonathan Kirk wears, uh, wore a cage last night, certainly. Um, and some players will wear them. If you think Ross Bowers is now wearing a cage, um, and I've seen other players who've had facial injuries come back and ice in a cage, but how would players feel if, and it would be very hard to say to all players, you must wear a cage. But if, you know, how would players feel if, A, they were told, right, visors are no longer an option, you must go to a cage. Or junior players were told, okay, when you get to 18, you keep the cage on. How would players feel about that? You know what? That's probably going to have to feed into our interview series that's coming up. We'll ask some of the players some of those questions. because it's, it's, a, it's a hypothetical question. I'd like you know? to ask Joe Baird then, as we think he's probably grandfathered, oh, how he'd feel if he was all of a sudden told to wear a cage. I'll have to think about how to word that one to Joe, I think, in the politest yes. way possible. Anyway, as um, an experienced player, Joe, as an I like. Let it. me help you with that one. As an experienced player, you've got the right words of saying this. Um, so yeah, um, it, it's it's quite a fascinating, it's quite a fascinating topic. We're going to have a few more of those, and if you do actually have any topics as well, please fire them over. We can talk about pretty much anything here on the Bees Radio Network podcast. So uh, at Bees Ice Hockey, well, that's that, it. That's it. It's the Bracknell Bees on Instagram. I'm learning these things, you know. Yeah. So at Bees Ice Hockey, if you want to throw us any questions and we can we can talk them through because we do actually have a talking point because following last week's podcast, we obviously had that little bit of breaking news that was already broken, but we said it was breaking news that Josh Ely Newman was returning. And then on the Friday after the podcast, Doug Shepard sprung the surprise. Robin Kovar out the door. Thank you, Robin, for your efforts in your time with the Bees. And in his place came uh, a man from Slovakia called. Now we've got to get Dominic. this right. He's called Dominic, and it's. I'm either, sticking with Dominic. Now, normally in Slovakian, J's are wise, so he should be uh, Dominic Gabay, but or maybe Gabay or Gabay. But following some conversations with Slovakians, they believe it might be Dominic Gabaj. 
So that's going to be a big surprise for everybody this weekend. So for now, we're just going to call him Little Dom, because obviously Big Dom is Dom Hopkins. So Little Dom will be joining us. And all that we've heard about Little Dom is some really positive stuff, all the way through from his time in the WSHL, where he was the leading point scorer, to his time in the NCAA. And his last couple of years in France, too, as well, where he really put on some, some good performances on good teams. He then went across to Australia at the start of the summer and put up a couple of points in his seven games there but then broke his thumb, so he had to come home, which was a shame because it looked like he was going to really light up the scoring in that league. And then he's sort of had, had a bit of time with with a very disappointing team in the in France too this season called Brest. Uh, and they've he's come in for a couple of games. He put up a decent amount of points, actually, when you look at how poor that Brest team is. And now he's going to be lighting for the bees. And everything we're hearing about him is hockey IQ, works hard at both ends of the rink, got a good shot on him, got a good play on him. He looks like he could be exactly the player this bees lineup. Thinking about everything from this weekend, about how, you know what, taking Kovar out and having everybody else stepping up and playing a better defensive game meant that we were a better team on the ice. It feels like Dominic, little Dom, could be this option for this bees lineup. I'm just wondering whether Scott is going to be brave enough to play Dominic the donkey at Christmas. Because he's not a small man, is he? He's not that small, even though we're calling him little Dom, although in comparison to Hopkins. But... Going back on topic, though, like, you know, I I spoke to Doug and I know that Doug is very, very excited about getting him into the lineup. I've looked at his stats. I'm excited about getting him into the lineup. And I've also spoken to people from other teams who are saying, oh, your new import looks really, really good. You know, his stats are really good. And I know that stats don't make the man, but it's a fairly good comparison, though. It's a fairly good comparison. We're hearing great things about his work ethic as well and everything like that that will go to make the complete player. But when you look at his stats and you look at how they compare to some other players who have also iced in similar teams in similar leagues, you think, yeah, do you know what? Doug has has done all right here getting this signature. Yeah, it looks a very handy man. Like he was playing for Noily last year, Noily Samane, who, uh, for those who don't know, they are Paris's hockey team. Um, and he was part of the team that ran all the way to the playoff final last year in France, uh, losing to uh, Briançon, unfortunately, in the in the final games, which looks an absolute crack of a series from some of the game tape we've been able to see. And he was a top scorer. He was a heavy scorer sorry, during the playoffs for them as well. And before that, was one of the leading point scorer in the league. Like, it, There's a lot to look forward to. As ever, it's all on paper. And as ever, we've got to see the guy fully come out on ice. But what we've seen, what we've heard, the references... There is big reason to be excited this weekend, and it's exciting other people across the league. We know there's an owner who's looking forward to uh, Gabaj or Little Dom making his debut in his <laughs> rink on Saturday night. So yeah. uh, definite reason for everybody to get along the uh, A33 if the roadworks are finally cleared, because uh, on Saturday night, the Bees travel to take on the Basingstoke Bison. Before the following night, we're going to be taking on the Swindon Wildcats at the Hive, and the Wildcats are going to have Tyler Van Cleef back in their lineup. Yeah, they are. Uh, and I, I'm excited for this weekend because the Bison have got the better of us so far this season. One that we'd rather forget, one that could have gone either way right down to the last moment. But all of a sudden now, we have a team that's played a fantastic game this weekend, short of an import, and also without Vanya Antonov as well. I don't know if he's available or not this weekend. But we had a team that played without an import this weekend and took down the whole Pirates in penalties. We have this, what looks to be fantastic new import, about to come in, lace up, 
put on the black, white and gold. And, you know, this could be the turning point of the season now. You know, with turning things around, we've had a we've had a horrible month. Let's be honest. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We've had a horrible month where things just haven't gone our way. A lot of them have been close, but things just haven't gone our way. We now have the start of the turnaround from last weekend and the win in penalties over the Pirates, which showed not just skill, but team spirit and, you know, work ethic as well. Now we have a chance against the Bison to finally let's get the points on the board this weekend. It'll be in their place, as you say. There is an owner very excited about the uh, Bees New Import making his uh, debut on uh, Saturday. In their place, let's hope the fans don't raise the roof too much there, though. It may come off. But, um, you, get, you know, it's, it's going to be a good weekend of ice hockey because... The Swindon Wildcats are also a very unique challenge because, as you say, Tyler Van Cleef will make his uh, return as well. He's back in the lineup following uh, a spell out with uh, quite nasty, quite nasty uh, blood clot. So thankfully for him, you know, like um, thankfully for him, that's all cleared up and he's good to go again. So, you know, like I wish him the best of luck back on the ice. Obviously not this Sunday personally, (laughs) but I wish him the best of luck back on the ice. And, you know, I'm also glad for the sake of his health that that blood clot is cleared up and he has been cleared to go again. So, you know, good luck to you, Tyler, apart from this Sunday, obviously. But the Wildcats also bring in quite a different challenge because they have Aaron Nell, very, very good British player. They have some very, very good imports. And they have some very, very good Brits who used to be imports as well. So it's an all-round challenge on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm really looking for I always look forward to Swindon games. I think we have a we have a really fantastic clash when we take on the Wildcats. Yeah. Um, got a lot of talent across the ice. And, and we seem to step up our game on these opportunities as well. And I do think, again, Saturday in Basingstoke is another opportunity for this side to, to really lay down their marker, to try and build a bit of momentum following it. It's a fresh weekend. It's a fresh opportunity for this side. But most importantly, Mark, if there are fans wondering how they can get tickets to the game on Sunday, how can they do so? Well, as always, you can get them on the telephone on 01344789000. See, I did the O's there and not the zeros this about week. To say so like I, that. Well I don't need to outtake that. <laughs> uh, so that number again, 01344789000. And of course, your next question, Graham, will be how can they find out more information, won't it? Yes, it will be. So, Mark, how can fans keep up to date with all the latest from the TSI world, Bracknell Bees? On the website, BracknellBees.com, and on social media, Facebook and Twitter is Bees Ice Hockey, and Instagram is The Bracknell Bees. And, of course, if you cannot make the game Sunday, we'll be there with our stream. Hopefully my cold would have shifted well, and disappeared. Of course I'll be there. And, of course, Mark will be there, and, of course, everybody will be there, because it's going to be another cracking night of hockey. And uh, just to let you all in on a little bit of a secret, Mark and I had a little bit of a, a sweepstake before this about how long this week's podcast would be. Mark said it would be 47 minutes. I said it'd be 42. Looks like we're just going to roll into the 47th minute. So uh, as well as that, ha- <laughs> as well as that hat shaped cake that I'm going to have to eat following yes. my man of the match predictions, I might have to eat some humble pie while I'm there as well. Well, yes. Um I'll let you off. You know, I'll let you off. Maybe next week it'll be yours. <laughs> You're far too kind, Mark. Mark, pleasure as ever. Graham, it's always a pleasure. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you Sunday. And to all of you fans out there, thank you very much for tuning in once again. We really do, from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate all your support. Well, until next time, take care and goodbye. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.